for Sunday mornings. Thank you that we have a place where we can come, where we can uh, gather, where we can come with whatever emotions that we have, any uh, places we've been throughout this week, any thoughts on our minds. Lord, I haven't even checked the news this morning, but I'm pretty sure I know the headlines. There's a lot of turmoil in our world. There's a lot of turmoil in our nation. There's a lot of turmoil in our hearts. And uh, so, God, we come to you on a Sunday morning um, seeking to put aside uh, the turmoil, the things of this world, and uh, to simply look to you. And uh, so, God, help us to put our eyes on you, help us put our thoughts on you, and just set our hearts on you. Uh, God, you are amazing. You continually surprise us. You continually meet us where we are. And so we invite you to come and do that again on this Sunday morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, church, you can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, I want to welcome you here uh, this morning. My name is John. I'm one of our pastors here at Discovery. Uh, if you're new with us, I want to give you a, uh, a special welcome. Really glad that you're here with us on, on this Sunday. Uh, we believe God has a plan and a purpose for every person, and so uh, the fact that you showed up here, we just hope that this morning is part of what God is doing in, in your story. Um, I want to introduce a uh, special guest. Uh, this is uh, Fritz Ney. Um, thanks for giving him a warm discovery uh, welcome. Uh, he is from Haiti, and today is not only uh, his first time at Discovery, today is his first Sunday uh, in a U.S. church. Um, uh, we've had a partnership for uh, about five years now, uh, four years maybe, with a, a ministry down in Haiti, an, an orphanage called Danita's Children. If you've been part of Discovery, you've heard about this a lot. We send two or three te teams down each year. Uh, about four years ago, uh, I met Fritz Ney there. Fritz Ney was first at, um, by the way, I'm not going to make him say anything on his first uh, Sunday in church. I told him that would be, be okay. Um, but he uh, arrived at the orphanage when you were about four and a half, right? Um, and so he grew up in this ministry, um, went through school, graduated uh, back in August uh, at the top of his class. And um, a year and a half ago, yeah, we can celebrate that. Um, a year and a half ago, um, uh, I remember talking to him, and uh, he had this dream. He said, I want to go to California for college. And at first I thought it was just kind of this, uh, yeah, sure, a little, little dream. But the more he talked, the more he prayed, um, he, it was clear that he felt God was uh, calling him and giving him his purpose. And so uh, on Wednesday morning, he picked up his visa and passport. Wednesday afternoon, he hopped on a flight, and midnight on Wednesday, he arrived in San Francisco uh, where my family went and picked him up. Um, he's going to be living with us, and uh, he is uh, going to start tomorrow classes at Woodland Community College um, and go from there. So um, in, a, in our partnership with Denia, we've just been very thankful. Um, I was actually just talking with Peter and Jackie Cunliffe, who are the couple that first invited me to go uh, on a trip down there. And uh, just to look at how God has grown our partnership as a church. We have another team that's going down uh, in March that's going to be led by uh, Christy uh, Romo and, and uh, Scott Palmer. And uh, they're leading a, a full team. This time we had more p uh, applicants that we could actually take. Um, and so we're just thankful to see how that partnership has grown. And now to be able to uh, support as a church a college student is really kind of that next step um, in um, 
in our partnership there. And so uh, say hello to Fritz Ney, get to know him. He's a great guy. He's quiet, but he runs deep, and uh, we're just thankful to have him here. So uh, go ahead, Fritz Ney. You can, I'll let you uh, be seated now. Uh, you know, I was uh, thinking this week as... Um, you know, we kind of uh, welcome Fritz Ney here, and this is like an exciting new beginning. Like as a church, I mean, it's something we're celebrating, um, and that that is uh, a very good for his life. I mean, you should see he showed up with a rolling carry-on, and that's what that's what he had. So looking for, forward to learning some things about simplicity from uh, Fritz Ney here. Uh, but uh, um, I, I was reminded, um, particularly when I saw a Facebook post from Danita when she said goodbye to him. Uh, I think we have the post here, maybe. Um, and uh, this is Danita, who started the orphanage uh, 16 years ago now. A picture of her and Fritzney at the airport. A uh, picture of little Fritzney over there on the right um, when he, w- he was young. But I, I was struck with the, for uh, this new beginning that he has. Um, there's also an ending to it, right, that, that we don't often get to see. Um, where he had to say goodbye to his, his mom. Um, where he had to say goodbye to his family. Um, and, you know, these endings are emotional uh, things, and, and uh, we're realizing that a new beginning cannot happen without some ending, um, and if we think about this, uh, this goes through everything. Most of us have already been through some of these transitions in our lives. Uh, I mean, if you're, you're a parent and uh, you've raised children, you know that every stage uh, comes from an ending or, and there's a, a new beginning that we're excited about. The beginning. Sometimes we don't think about the end. If you're a college student, uh, you know that you kind of ended uh, high school. You ended being under your parents' roof and now you're kind of in this new beginning. Uh, your parents are home crying and you're here uh, excited. And, uh, you know, if you've gotten married, right, uh, there's even a scripture verse that says that you will leave mother and father and be united man to woman. And, and so there's this ending and a new beginning. If uh, For everybody that's in a job that they absolutely love, uh, you can think back to a job that you probably hated, you know, at some point in the journey. Uh, every uh, new beginning comes uh, with an ending. I mean, think about kind of our, our background here. A seed has to die and fall and be separated before it can grow into that new beginning. Now, endings, these endings are emotional times, right? They uh, sometimes lead to, you know, tears and, and all of that, but we know that it's part of life. The gospel that we believe in, the gospel that we preach, it is all about an ending. It was about the, the death of Jesus, uh, extremely sad, painful, excruciating even for not only Jesus who died on the cross, but for his disciples. Uh, this, is the, this is the end. It's over. We thought we had this hope and this dream, and, and now it's gone. But three days later, Jesus rises again into new life. But this gospel we hold to, it had to uh, begin with a death until there was the reality of new life. We can, we can own this fact that ending often is a death that's filled with grief. When something old dies, then something new can take hold. And for, for us, that's emotional. It, it's emotional. It's good for it to be emotional. But we hold on to this truth. The truth in our Christian life is that we embrace endings. Because only when we embrace an ending can we receive the new beginning that God has for us. 
you may say, maybe we tolerate endings or we accept endings, but do we fill in that blank with, you know, kind of embracing endings? Do we celebrate this? Because only in Jesus, this is what we theologically believe. That everyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. It's not just a dying of something. It's that there is a, there is a new that God wants to bring us into. And we hold on to uh, the, the reality, the truth that God is working all things to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So even when there's some grief, when there's sadness, we know in our minds that God is still working all things to the ultimate good of his plans and his purposes, which is ultimate good for us as well. This is the truth. Now, emotionally, again, I want to come back to the reality that we feel uncertainty, feel anxiety, we feel fear. We, we don't often like change. We question, we doubt. Uh, th- this morning, I was preparing for uh, a sermon here, and, and um, we have this little dog. Um, it's cute, but it's a pain sometimes. And, and I'm sitting there trying to, you know, prepare and, and pray, and this dog's barking and barking. Um, and if you woke up early enough this morning, there was wind and rain. Uh, I'll just tell you, I was up early, and there was some wind and rain there. And, and the dog's sticking its head out the door and, and barking. And what had happened was this uh, little toy basketball hoop we had there had blown over. And what I realized was this dog was barking because it didn't like the fact that, hey, what, what it was comfortable with was different, okay? And so I had to finally realize, oh, you just want this thing set up. And I set it up, and the dog was fine, and we could go on from there. We do not like when things get out of place, when things are not like we maybe thought they would be or should be. And so today I want to talk with us about endings and new beginnings um, today is a significant ending in that it's my final sermon um, that I get to preach to you as your pastor. And um, I know the last couple months we've been talking about this as a church. Maybe uh, you're new here for the first time. Maybe you've been gone on break and you're just back and you didn't get the email. And, uh, you know, this is um, kind of the first time you're hearing of it. But um, after 10 years of serving as your pastor, as uh, nearly 500 sermons, um, today um, is the last one that I will preach to you. We're going to feel the emotion. That comes with an ending. Um, But we're going to come back to the truth. And that this is a way that God works. And that every new beginning that he is leading us into um, comes with an ending of something else. So even while there's something ending that's a little bit sad, we are going to have the hope of what God is doing. I'm thankful that uh, we teach the Bible here at Discovery. Um, Because when it comes to sermons like this, it can kind of be tight. Like, what do you possibly say? Um, But we've got a great example from the book of Acts. So we're just going to go to Scripture, or we're going to teach through that. And I'm thankful that that will keep us rooted this morning. Uh, Acts chapter 20 is where we'll be. You can turn in your Bible there. Um, If you have a Bible, if you don't, we want you to have a Bible. Put up your hand. Uh, One of our servers will bring you one. Uh, You can also open up your Bible on your device or on that app. Uh, Acts chapter 20. 
Uh, it's the story of the Ephesian church. Uh, James said during announcements that uh, in February, two weeks, you guys will begin a brand new series in the book of Ephesians. Uh, so I hope that kind of to set some of the context for that um, so that you'll kind of know, okay, this letter to the Ephesians, it was written to a group of people, to a, to a church actually. Uh, so you'll be learning from God's word sp- spoken to a church that is spoken even today to a, a church. Last week, we looked at the beginning of the Ephesian church, and we told the story of that church, and we told the story of Discovery. You can listen to that. Uh, if you don't know the story of Discovery, I would uh, encourage you to do that. Um, today, we are looking at the story of an ending, not the ending of a church, but the ending of a tenure of a leader who loved that church and preached the gospel faithfully. I'm going to read through the whole passage, and then I'll share some final words with you. Um, Acts 20, beginning in verse 17. It says, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him, him being Paul. Paul called the elders of the Ephesian church. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. Testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone out about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of you all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained among you, not his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands minister to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed for them all. There was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and they kissed him. Being sorrowful, most of all, because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. Let me cover the end first. 
um, because I'm not quite sailing off today. Um, next Sunday, my family and I will be back here for one final Sunday. I won't be preaching, but um, we're going to have kind of a, a send-off and prayer time. Uh, so I hope that you'll come next week. Um, but I hope that I've taught you over these years that um, we believe one in literal interpretation of the scriptures, but we also believe in the proper contextualization uh, in the culture that we live in. So um, what we will see next week, I hope, is the heart of this scripture, where we'll have some worship and some prayer. We will probably have some tears, though I hope there will not be mass weeping. We'll embrace and we'll perhaps hug and shake hands, but I, I do hope that there will be no kissing, truth be told. Um, I don't expect that you will walk our family out to our minivan at the end, but we'll share some food and we'll celebrate what God has done here. I didn't really um, want that. Kind of my way of thinking is, well, guys, I'll preach today. At the end of this, I'll pray and I'll drop the mic and walk off. But uh, we have wise elders here who said, no, we must celebrate what God has done. See, over the years, endings and uh, new beginnings have been a part of who we are as Discovery. We have embraced endings fully here. And the reality is there are many churches, there are many times where we will not get to celebrate good endings. And so our elders looked at me and said, we're going to celebrate a good ending so that God will receive the glory that he deserves. So next week we'll celebrate what God has done here. We'll celebrate how he moves. We'll do it in the context of Discovery's culture here. Um, and then you will move forward as a church uh, without the Rikerts here anymore. Um, that's next week. But this week, I, I want to, us to learn a few lessons from Paul's ending. Um, obviously, the application is, is very easy for me. Um, but the reality is we can all learn something from this. Oh, we learn how we act as a church. We will learn about how God's plan moves forward. And the reality is you'll face some, some of you are facing endings right now. Endings of relationships, endings of jobs, uh, new things coming up in life, but endings that you're going through, grief and loss. Um, or if you aren't right now, you will. And so how is it that we handle, how is it that we embrace endings as a work of God, how God moves? Let's look at Paul. It says he calls the elders to him. He's at a town just south of Ephesus. And so uh, he calls them to, I have come to you, not just the elders, but I'm coming to you as the entire church, both those of you who are brand new, as well as our leaders and elders. And I'm going to speak to you. And this is what he says. He looks at them and he says, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. Now, here's the reality of endings. Endings are a time when we take inventory on a life that has been lived. We take inventory on our own life, and others also take inventory. Uh, maybe the pinnacle of this is, is the day that we die, which we all will, when we have nothing left to say, nothing else to do, nothing else to speak into, but others will sit around and say things about us. 
On that day, what will they say? We'll all face it one day. In the meantime, we have a lot of smaller endings along the way. I mean, think of it, uh, I know Fritzney had this the other night when he sat around with all of his, his friends, all of his family, and they all spoke words of truth into his life. You've been there at a wedding or a commencement or a party where people stand up and they, they, they say some things about you. You've maybe left a job and you don't know what they say about you once you're gone. Or maybe you've been in that place. You know, when somebody goes away, there's a reflection on who that person was, whether they were there for a day or whether they were there for years. We do this. We reflect on others. And we should reflect on ourselves. The last two months has been a time of deep reflection. You see, what I realize right now is my story here in Discovery has been written. The day that I turned my resignation into the elders, the day that I stood before you and, and communicated that this, the story was written about who I've been as a person. I love and I'm struck by the boldness of Paul to stand before people and to say, you have seen my life, how I lived among you. You take inventory with me. I would hope on my parting day that I'd be able to say the same to you. I've lived among this church for 15 years, my family and I. From the first Sunday that it met, for 10 years as your pastor, I've stood on this stage. My wife and I have always tried to be real, to be who we are. I became the pastor here at 27 years old, fresh out of getting my PhD, not in Bible, but was able to be here, and the only thing that my wife and I ever wanted to share was the grace of God towards us, that we have been broken, imperfect individuals, but we received a call from God, and we wanted to fulfill that call with all that we are. And so we've stood in front of you as a young couple, um, my wife struggling with postpartum depression, us going through marriage counseling, us recognizing our faults and flaws in life and leadership. Us having child after child after child. Um, and uh, being able to say we're not perfect parents. But always recognizing the truth of the gospel. Which is that his grace calls imperfect people. And we're thankful that he does. And we hope we've been real before you and always have. What you've seen has been what you get with us. And so, like, I really like Paul's inventory here, the things that he says. He doesn't stand up, and, and this, is, this is what he says. He says, we, I served Christ with all humility. With all humility. Let me just speak to, to younger leaders for a moment. We come as younger leaders with uh, passion um, a little sense of, of confidence, like, like we can step out, like we can do it, and, and life and ministry, and sometimes kind of teaches us some lessons as we go, and we're to serve with humility, always remembering, no matter what age we are, no matter what experience we've had, no matter what degrees we have, the reality is we have no right to serve the King of Kings, but in His grace, 
He has given us the opportunity not only to go to heaven one day, but to serve him in our days here on earth. And so it keeps us humble, keeps us on our knees. Let us serve with all humility. He says that he served through tears and trials. It hasn't been easy pastoring for me or my family. When you've been a part of a church for 15 years, I, I, I've said this, every step up in leadership of this church is really a call not to status or power. It's a call to um, heartache because as your pastor, you're invited to step into the messiness of your life. And over the years, you have invited us to walk alongside you, to feel the pain to sometimes feel rejection, to sometimes have all those relationships that would go from time to time. We know, know it well. All our friends, all our loved leaders have stepped one by one away as well. But yet we continue to serve Christ in the midst of trials and tears. Paul continues and he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. I love those words, and I would pray that that could be said about me, that I did not shrink from declaring to you what God laid on our heart. There's been tough messages over the years, things that I had to look at you, I had to, had to kind of wrestle through first before I would dare stand before you and say, you need to wrestle with this yourself. But as the scripture led us to tough things, pray that it didn't shrink back. Now, I'm, I'm a relational, non-confrontational guy in nature. Um, I don't like the hard conversations, but we don't shrink back. We continue to declare teaching, both in public, from house to house. That's why our ministry is about learning the word of God, walking in the word of God. And then he says this, I testified both to Jews and to the Greeks. That meant to the church folk as well as the non-church folk, that there must be repentance to God. Continual repentance in our lives, church. It begins here, and then it pours out there. Let us who follow after Jesus be first to, to look continually into the gospel and say, God, what must change in me so that you can use me to help others to see you that they may want to change as well? And so always on our heart here has been not only teaching to the church, but care and love and sharing of Christ to the city out there. I hope, I, I pray, that as we look at that, it wouldn't be like, you know, my 10 years here didn't resemble anything like that. I'm still taking inventory. I'm still looking at those things. There's lots of imperfections along the way. But what I want to call all of us to do is to take a look, each one to ourselves, and to take a look at Paul's inventory and say, who have we been here? Who have we been here? Have we been following after Jesus? Because Paul followed after Jesus. And if we look at these things and say, how am I serving Christ? How am I walking in humility? How am I looking to God's word? How am I loving the world around me? Who have you been? Because ultimately, I mean, people will judge, right? People will judge. It's not ultimately about what other people say, but it's about what God says. 
And so look to him, recognize your imperfections, know that you're in his grace, but take some inventory. Look at who you've been here. And then the next question is this, who will I be? Where am I going? What will I do? Why will I do it? I mean, it's a question that uh, I'm getting asked quite a bit. Okay, you're, you're leaving. Where are you going? What, what are you doing? I would kind of uh, answer this in the way Paul did. Where he says, now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me. Uh, I'm not going to Jerusalem. But I am going to a place that God has ordained for me and called me to. I am constrained by the Spirit. A couple of weeks ago, I preached a message specifically about kind of how God worked in, in this calling. Calling is a tough thing. Lots of times we use kind of this, well, God didn't call me there. He did call me there. And, and so we really need to take inventory of our motives in that, right? Um, and I, I shared how I felt from Matthew 14 that Jesus was saying, first he called us to step out of the boat uh, before he started giving us the next direction. And so a big part of the call was to say, uh, God, um, we followed you into this ministry. If you're calling us to have open hands with it and, and give it back, we will. Um, and he did, and, and we stepped out. Now, he has given us uh, some direction in, in where we're going, and, and um, I am am after pastoring, uh, looking at going back into the marine science field. Um, if you've been here, uh, you know that's where God called me from. He gave me a, a task here, I feel, for the past 10 years to, to build up, establish, equip uh, this church. Um, but my, my love and my passion for the field of science and for the need in that area um, is, is still there, and um, I think God has uh, called me to step back into that. And you see, the last 10 years, he's called me to uh, equip others to, to go out and, and to lead uh, this church as an organization that, that mobilizes and equips. Maybe this illustration, if you'll allow me, it's, it's kind of a war illustration. If you'll allow me to use it, I think it's just a good illustration. The church is a little bit like an aircraft carrier. Uh, that is ascending out planes on mission constantly. Now, there's a need for the aircraft carrier, and there's a need for those who will go out. We, we've led here, I've led this organization, like keeping the ship moving, continuing to keep things gassed up and going out and pointed in the right direction. And after years of doing that, um, you know, I imagine that there's something about those that go into management that uh, some days they still want to be on the ground, fighting the battle. And um, God has laid it back on my heart to no longer be uh, the equipper, but to be one who goes. And so, uh, my ministry, I don't feel it's coming to an end. I'm still about making disciples. I'm still about reaching people. It's just God's calling me back into that field. I'm excited about going. I'm excited about where God is leading us. I'm excited that there is a church here that has been established in these values and in our mission and, and vision and continues in that. Last week we had our leaders on stage here, lots of them, that are ready to lead forward in that. That gives me a real sense of freedom to be able to step out and go where God has called. Because this, this is the verse, my friends. I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course 
and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. And so we're stepping out to what's next in our course, what God has planned. And if there's a, a few things that we're looking forward to, it's number one, some renewal as a family. Um, God has given me a burden for uh, my family right now. After years of caring for your family, of building a ministry that will disciple you, that will hopefully raise your children in the gospel, God has, has shifted some of my burden to my own family, to those sitting around my table. Uh, and so I, I want to step to where God is leading. He's called me to some retooling for ministry. I, I don't think I'm done with ministry. Learned a lot of lessons over these years. And you've been gracious to allow me to grow in those lessons. We're going to process through those things and see what God has next. And if I had to pursue the unique calling that God has given to me, with kind of this, uh, you've listened to lots of marine biology illustrations over the years. Uh, this kind of quirky background that God has given me. He's built on it, and I think he's calling me to pursue what's next. To, to be fully who he has created and called me to be. It's what I've led you in continually. To be who God created and called you to be. And I would be a hypocrite if I stuck around and didn't pursue what God was calling me to. Now, Paul writes, he says, I will not see your face again. Um, my family and I, we're not leaving the area. Our, our kids are doing well in the school that they're in. We're staying in the house where we are. Um, I'm likely going to be teaching up at William Jessup University in the biology department there and building their environmental science program. And so uh, we're going to stay where we are. Um, so I'm not all this kind of, Paul says it three times in this passage, I won't see your face again. I mean, he was going to prison and to death and all that stuff. Um, that's not where we're going. We'll be around here. So I, we won't be in discovery. Uh, I just kind of want to say that clearly because I know there's been some questions. In order for the church to move forward, I mean, our lives have been so intermingled and uh, together. There's such love and affection here that uh, in order for you all to move forward under the leadership um, we're going to step out, and for my family to kind of move forward into to what's new and next, we're going to step out. But we're going to see each other again. I'm going to see you in town. I'm going to see you at the movie theater. I'm going to see you at the school pickup. Uh, I'm going to see lots of you in Costco, uh, in the food court. Uh, I was sitting there the other night, and uh, my son and I were just having a hot dog and, you know, uh, soda, uh, stewardship, buck fifty for a hot dog and soda. Um, it... Uh, I saw like five of you there in about 20 minutes. So after all these years, I finally learned that's the place to do ministry. It's in the Costco food court. Um, so we're going to see each other again. And, and uh, this, is, this is all good. There's still much love and there's much affection. We don't have to avoid each other in the grocery aisle, anything like that. Um, say hi. Let's still share life together, even though we will not be sharing in this community, in this fellowship. Um, but here's, here's what I have for you. Same thing Paul had for the church. A few final exhortations to the church. Um, what exhortations are, are kind of strong encouragements. Encouragements in God's word. And Paul speaks to the elders of the church. 
And he says this. Three things I'll give you. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. I will exhort the elders in that, and I will also exhort the whole church. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the whole flock. Transition can be a tough time where uh, people kind of drift away. Time where we lose focus and we kind of let things go a little bit. Pay careful attention to yourselves, to your walk with Jesus. Pay careful attention to one another. Care for one another. I've been blessed to be the pastor here and to kind of unite care together. (coughs) But it's not all about me. There's lots of others that are caring already and will continue to care. Care for one another. Pay close attention to yourselves and to the flock. Maybe that's kind of weird language, the flock. Um, But that's what Jesus here. He talked about the church, his followers, as sheep of the ultimate good shepherd, Jesus, but that the leaders of the church were to be shepherds who, who care for, who feed, who nurture, and who protect one another. Paul kind of brings up this, and maybe you haven't heard this language before, but uh, he says that I know after my departure, fierce wolves will come in and will not spare the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men or women speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. We have an enemy who seeks to come in to dismantle what God is doing. God has done something incredible here. And now is not the time to take that for granted. But to look after one another. There will be people who come in from outside. Who want to lead in some different ways of teaching. Fierce wolves, Paul calls them. I know that's harsh. But people who come in and want to devour one by one those who are weak in their faith. From our own selves, will people who speak twisted things. We are in a culture, right, where there's lots of different directions to go. We have a solid doctrine here in discovery. We have a solid statement of faith. We have position papers that we have labored through based on scripture that we believe God has spoken to us. And that's what we come back to. We pay attention to ourselves, to all the flock. We watch out for these things. In fact, he says, be alert. Be alert. I hope if my words kind of ring in your ear a little bit, be this little alarm that said, be alert of where we might go astray into different things. And instead, hold fast. I pray that in our teaching here, as we've talked about our mission, I would say hold fast to the mission. Our mission statement here is this. We exist to meet people where they are. I pray that we meet people where they are. All backgrounds, all histories, all past sins, all current sins, all different looks. That people would be able to come just as they are. To discover Jesus and let Jesus do what he wants with us as individuals. We meet people where they are and we lead them to be disciples. I pray that we would all grow in following Jesus, to being his disciples, to following him very closely. And then to go and make disciples in the church, in our city, and in our world. I pray that these words, church, city, world, that we are a church reaching our city to change our world. 
would continue to be who discovery is. That as we are built up in Christ, that we would go out to the mission field that's right outside our back doors, but then that we would continue to send many others out as we have around the world to share the gospel of Jesus. Finally, Paul says this. He says, In all things I've shown you, that by working hard in this way, we help the weak and we remember the words of the Lord Jesus. May we always follow the example and the words of Jesus. Now, Paul said this, Follow my example as I follow Christ. I pray I've been an example to you, church. And where I followed Christ, you would find that worthy. Where I didn't, let it go. Don't follow it. Come back to Christ and come back to his example. Come back to his words. Remember the words of Jesus. Now, I was struck this week. Of all the words of Jesus, Paul says these. That Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I thought this week, why? why? Of all the words, uh, why not go and make disciples? What, why come back to this? And I was struck by the simple truth. It's more blessed to give than to receive. In our Christian walk, in our church life, often we come to receive. But Jesus, he gives to us all that he was, all that he is. And then he calls us as we receive from him that we are to become givers. When I first came to Discovery, I was very much a receiver. The church my wife and I were at before this, um, she signed up to serve way before I did. Uh, she was serving in the kids' ministry. Um, Garrison, why don't I come up here, if you would. Um, You guys get to see a lot more of me than Garrison because she's often serving in the back and um, she's uh, often serving our family and our four kids. Um, but she was over in our other church. She was serving. And remember where I was? Starbucks or McDonald's. Oh, that was way before I drank coffee. That was the donut shop. Um, and I would drop her off to serve and I would go and I would uh, get a donut and I'd read my grad school book while I was waiting the hour. And then we came to Discovery, and not only did Discovery teach us what it was to serve, but gave us the opportunity. Here we got our opportunity and um, to do more than just receive, but to give. And over the years, um, we've given, and uh, I just want to thank you. Thank you for allowing us, for, uh, for enabling us to serve Jesus by serving you. You've allowed me to stand up here and, and preach God's word to you. You've allowed us to enter into your life, to talk about hard questions, to go through hard things. Stood up with some of you as you got married. Visited you as you had your first children, wept with you, 
as you mourn the loss of a relationship or a loved one or a marriage. You allowed us to do that, and um, we never deserved it. So I pray that by our giving, whether it's, uh, this is the first week you're hearing from me, <laughs> um, or whether this is, uh, you've been with us a month, a year, five years, 10 years, 15 years. Pray that you've been blessed by our giving. But this I know, that the words of Jesus are more real to us now than they've ever been. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Lord Jesus, thank you. Jesus, I think of who uh, Garrison and I were 20 years ago, 25 years ago in college ourselves, living lives. Um, and we would never want to share with others. But God, even there, you were there with us. By your grace, you reached out to us. You brought us back home. You showed us your amazing, incredible love and grace. Jesus, you so impacted us in our own lives that just overflowed to want to share that with others. You called us, not because we deserved any of it, because we had degrees or because we had the experience, but you called us. So Jesus, today I pray that um, you found us faithful, that we finished the work that you called for us to do here. We look forward to what you have next for us. God, on this day, I thank you that I can can pray for your church one more time. And I pray for them. I pray for the feelings during this ending. God, that you would minister to us, that you would give us a great peace that surpasses any understanding. God, I pray that you would watch over our leaders, that you would strengthen our elders, good men, faithful men who have stepped up to lead and are ready. Jesus, strengthen them, carry them. God, all of our leaders, the men and women that have stepped into the roles that you've called them to, Jesus, strengthen them, speak to them, guide them by your spirit. I pray that you would hold them faithful. God, I pray for uh, all of those who are parts of this church, members of this body. God, you use each one of us while we're here to continue your faithful work. Jesus, continue to move here in this church that we would reach this city. Jesus, I, I believe so much in the church that you put together here. I know that your work is not finished. So lead us all forward that you may be glorified, Jesus. This is about you, about your goodness, your faithfulness. We love you. Amen.